All right, we're in chapter two. We close chapters in Jonah, so we're going to be taking this on by the end of the year and moving on to Philippians at the beginning of next year. So I'll remind you at the end of the lesson, no lesson next week. So we just have service on Thanksgiving Sunday. So, all right, let's see uh, as usual what we learned from last week's lesson. This is Jonah one one through nine, and the first it was learned by. Uh, by the mariners, that Jonah had fled from the presence of the Lord. I mean, that's pretty important here. I mean, it, you know, in a sense, what? how can we relate that to our own lives? I mean, the world kind of learns some of our shortcomings at times, too, don't they? And, and, you know, how do we address that as Christians? We all fall short sometimes in the eyes of the unbeliever. Well, we ask for forgiveness and move on. I mean, we sincerely ask for their forgiveness when we offend the world or fallen short from their expectations. And here, Jonah's kind of downstairs sleeping. and So, <laughs> so Jonah said that they should uh, throw him into the sea and the tempest would cease. So that was Jonah's suggestion once they found out that he had fled from the Lord and the Lord's destination for him. So as the winds continued, the mariners prayed to the Lord that they would not perish to save Jonah's life. I mean, you, you know, go, go, go ahead and let, let you, God, take Jonah. <laughs> we should live because we're innocent people under these circumstances. So these winds are because of you and your ultimate uh, waking Jonah up in terms of what he's done to go against your wills and your mission. So we need to be saved here. We shouldn't be, you know, ultimately killed because of Jonah's lack of faith. And so they they picked up Jonah and they did throw him into the sea. And as expected, I guess, by somebody, <laughs> the Lord for sure, the sea was called. So, that's chapter one. So, today's title is Jonah, Jonah, the Jonah Prayer and Deliverance. I think we should maybe have a Jonah's Prayer and Deliverance, but anyway, that's the way it stated, and let's move ahead. So, ultimately, then, finally, before we get to there, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the body, uh, or the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, which is very, that's, if you will, the prophetic nature of this mm-hmm. minor prophet of the Old Testament. Now, you know, it's funny when you look at the debates of what kind of fish this was. So, you know, you see people defend this as a shark. I mean, it most makes most sense to think this is a whale, but I, I guess we don't know for sure what kind of fish it was. But anyway, we have to trust this is true. It's in the Word of God. Many people brought up uh, concerns about this in terms of the validity of this scripture. But nevertheless, we covered that last week in terms of some of the skeptics about this particular uh, verse. All right, so let's look at today's lesson. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. He said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and all your waves passed over me. And then I said, I've been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me even to my soul, and the deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head, and I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever, yet you have brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, your holy temple. 
Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay what I have vowed. We'll come back to that. Salvation is of the Lord. Okay, a lot of text here, and we're going to, as usual, divide that uh, verse by verse. So I'm combining here our initial comments on one and two. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. The quotations, by the way, are not always closed here because the quotation occurs in the verses that, that follow the ones I'm stating. What do you make if I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction? He was being afflicted. <laughs> well, it's obvious he didn't get chewed up. He was just swallowed. Seems like, <laughs> seems like a reasonable thing to do. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, there's the nature of this program that how we typically reach out to God today. I think that one of the focuses of the teaching of this body here is that we're positioned above and our life stems from our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ in heavenly places. But yet, much of our prayer is self-centered, is it not, when we're in trials and tribulations? And of course, we're called to that, ultimately, by the Lord to grow in grace through these trials and tribulations. In fact, Peter called it a privilege that trials and tribulations of life. So, what do we make of this? Welcome to the usual earthly experience, right? Yeah. Well, we don't cry out to God when we're having a great time. No, we, we, <laughs> we, don't, we have no need. Not usually. <laughs> but it's the trials and tribulations that call us to His presence. Isn't it? It, it, we cry out to God in our need. Right. Very self-centered, but yet yeah. it's it's not inappropriate. We're going to return to some support for that. Yeah. So what might be different for us today? What might be different from our prayer today than that of Jonas 700 BC or approximately? Aren't we thankful? I mean, don't we okay, we'll praise the that. Lord for for Jesus Christ? That we, you know, have a salvation that the world doesn't know about. I mean, most of the world, they're always in the pit. There is no way out. Did Jonah realize when he sent up this prayer and cried out to the Lord? Uh, it says because of my affliction, he must have known that he was responsible mm-hmm. for the affliction and trial that he was going through, right? Yeah. But what else might be different today? We're not usually in the belly of a fish. Uh, I hadn't well, thought of that really well. <laughs> I can't deny that. Well, we have doubt that he was too. We have the Holy Spirit that intercedes. Okay, all right. And was do you think Jonah was dwelled temporarily by the Holy Spirit here to call out to the Lord, or is maybe maybe not? Uh huh. We have evidences, I think, from the Old Testament that ultimately the prophets you know, had a fairly direct communication with the Lord often. But so he they can look ahead where we look behind to what the Lord did, but that they look for the future. I'm, I'm not sure I understood that. They had 
something they were looking forward to, promise. Oh, okay. Salvation. Mm-hmm. We, we have it. Okay. So kind of the Hebrews 11 people live by faith, all right? Okay. Well, I think what you said earlier, too, is um, he knows he's responsible for this okay. company mm-hmm. because he tried to hide and went the wrong direction purposely to try to he didn't. He didn't want to go where the Lord told him. All right. To let me extend that thought here a little bit. Do Do the trials and tribulations come our way because of our own shortcomings and our ongoing old nature, sin nature that continues to exist? The chance they can, but not, not entirely. Right. They come for our growth. Okay. Right? All right. But it's also part of the world system. I mean, as long as we're here, we're. This is. This is Satan's domain. So we're, there's going to be all kinds of things that come our way. Okay, there are three things going against our new nature and spirit-led life, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Satan himself, the world system, and our own sin nature. So we have three things going <laughs> against our we sense sense. All right. Um, and he answered me. I don't know. And in what way? I think this is kind of interesting because he answered me is a phrase that does not get additional consideration. Mm-hmm. How would God be answering Jonah under the circumstances he found himself? Maybe he gave him a, a calmness and a comfort that that so he knew that he heard him. Okay, so we, we see a different direction for Jonah, the verses that follow, but Okay, so it's kind of saying a level of comfort in the belly of the whale. I mean, maybe a piece, a piece that, you know, okay, you heard me, we're going forward here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we're going to go forward, but. But it also is possible he might have actually heard it. I mean, we know that the Lord has well, a bunch of people. I think he was delusional and he came back to the word. And God spoke to him the second time. Delusional. That's, that's, I just see that as how Jonah turned from the Lord, his word. Oh, that, so his script in Nineveh was delusional. I like how the church is today. <laughs> oh, we're going to go that far. <laughs> All right. Well, we don't know how the Lord answered, but there was a direction that was changed. And so theoretically, when he turned to the Lord, and said, look, I'm guilty of violating your mission for, for the church at, uh, you know, ultimately, Tarsus ultimately. This is what occurred. He had a peace and things were changed going forward. But we don't have any details. How should we interpret out of the belly of Sheol, I cried? What's Sheol? Place of the dead. Yeah. All right. So if you look at kind of the Hebrew here, the Old Testament designation, is for the abode of the dead. So Roger hit that one on the head. But ultimately, this could be a place of no return. It could be the absence of God, punishment of the wicked. It could be exiled, extreme degradation, or ultimately death. So whatever, I think the way we interpret death in the New Testament is separation. And that clearly is how it's interpreted here. He was swimming with the fishes. Well, I think he thought he was going to die. For sure, he thought this was the well, end. Well, and you know, that's where there are, if you look at different commentators, some have taken different tracks on this. I don't know, you looked at J. Remigib 
by chance? I did listen. He, to he took an interesting track on this. He he thinks that this he thinks that Jonah actually died, and the Lord brought him brought him I, back. And I, he, I, 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 most people don't interpret it that way. Well, it's interesting, and I was interested that Jay McGee thought that. I, I, he didn't actually give. I haven't read his whole thing, but that was his that was his thesis that I, that he actually died. That this prayer was obviously before he died, but. Uh, but he talks about how he brought his life back from the pit, down in verse well, six. I would think Jonah realized that here he is in, in the belly of a fish, and he's still alive. Yeah. If he, said, yeah. he was he able to call out to, to the Lord, yeah. and that's why he feels that the Lord answered his prayer, because he was okay. still able to, you know, it didn't smell very good, but he was still there. Well, the big test of metaphor from what Roger said, if McGee's position is correct, this is a Lazarus kind of circumstance, yeah. right? He's not resurrected, he's restored. Right. right. I, you know, See, I'm, I'm going to share with you what Constable Macaulay both yeah, have to sure. say about this. And Roger knows I love Jay Vernon, but I didn't. You should use this. It's too bad. Okay. So, so depth is literally the belly of Sheol. Okay. The place of departed souls that the Hebrews conceived of as under the earth's surface. And Jonah thought that he had gone to join the dead. Okay. So, I mean, we're a little bit about the perception of what he's going to die from in a minute, brother. No, he obviously thought he was going to die. I mean, that's that's what he thought. Whether he did die, you know, that, the question is, did he really well, die or not die? That's another question. But think about personalizing that. Sure. We all know we're, we're you know, I'm going to come back to this, for me to live as Christ and die as gain. But yet, how we're getting there. <laughs> well, that, well, that's, it's that's your... something we all kind of ponder on, right? Uh, and we have our ways of getting there. And I remember my late wife, Sharon. I mean, she, she died in... Hepatic encephalopathy. To translate that, her her liver was so full of breast cancer that her her ammonia levels were not adequately sustained. Uh, they were very elevated because of liver disease, and so she died three days in a coma. And she wanted to get out of here as peaceful as she could, and she she did. So you know, we, but we all kind of think about how what's that path going to be. We don't, I guess we don't worry about that, but we think about it a little bit. We all would have our ways. And, and Miles kind of died in his sleep. Miles Stanford. I mean, so mm-hmm. anyway, we'll leave that for us to think <laughs> about and pray about it. But anyway, and McCullough says an important feature of Jonah's prayer is its use of the Psalms. Right. This is really kind of interesting. The word of God was very much in the forefront of Jonah's mind. Notice that as he prayed from the belly of the fish, his allusions to the Psalms are shown in this following chart. So we're not going to go and look at each of these psalms. Just in verse 2, these are all aspects of verse 2 that are quoted directly in the psalms. And we're going to come back to a few of these in the later part of this section of Scripture. But isn't this amazing? So if Jonas really articulating these areas... It's kind of like, if, if you will, the believer that's kind of gone astray a little bit, that has all this Bible memorized, yeah. and is able to throw that out during times of trials and tribulations. Well, I was thinking about the verse, that we, I've hid, hid your word in my heart. I mean, obviously, here he is in this, he didn't have his time to let, let, get the scroll out and take a look. He had, he had to be... <laughs> <laughs> and we, I, glasses. 
I, I'm going to Carol's and the trust. You're coming for me. That's my job. <laughs> now, but you think about it. I mean, we all have verses. I think they come back pretty easily at certain times. And so I, I think that's why Jonah kind of reverted to what he knew. The Lord sent him on a mission mm-hmm. for a reason, right? Jonah was a man of God in those days, but yet he right. departed as that, you know, fleshly will ultimately directed him. We all suffer from that, so no way. So here, I just pulled an additional version of the Psalms. This is, this is my comfort in affliction, for your word has given me life. Isn't that true for us today? I mean, isn't God's word the source of all truth? And if we, you know, pick and choose what we want to use, that's a criticism I had of Christianity before I say people pick and choose verses that seem to Different circumstances. All right. But it's certainly not wrong, is it, to pray when we're afflicted. And I'm going to just share a few verses with you. Luke uh, 22, 41 and 42. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone star. And he knelt down and prayed, dying. Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In, in that a sense... Of the Lord during times of trial and tribulations before the cross turned to him in prayer. That is an example of affliction. In Acts 16, 24 and 25, having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Of course, we know the circumstances that followed. That prayer of Paul and Silas. And then James, every one among you, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. And we don't do the second thing very much. <laughs> but I think we all do pray when we're afflicted. So anyway, there are probably many other verses that could be shared. So, yeah, Carolyn. I'm just wondering, and I don't, this is just a, a, a thought. You know, when he was talking about, you know, I prayed to God and he heard me. And I think in one of the differences, I think, for us is that whatever happens, we know he hears us. And I wonder if people back then, you know, a lot, I think a lot of people, when they just pray when they're in trouble and they have no idea whether he hears them or not. But I think we have that we have that assurance that he hears us. We don't know what he's going to do about it. But we we know that he hears us. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Well, we're part of the family of God, are we not? The Old, yeah. uh, the Old Testament, the clarity things are a little bit different, but we certainly have plenty of examples about prayers to the Lord being heard and answered. So, John is a good example of that. Is Acts 16, was that at Philippi? Uh, Probably. I think that's when Paul was at Philippi, but through that... <clears throat> The Philippian jailer was saved. Yeah, I think that's right. I didn't put that in context where it was, but mm-hmm. the, the jail experience, I think, is what clearly Paul's parading to do. All right, let's go ahead. And the third verse, it says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billions of, uh, all your billows and your waves passed over me. So, you know, I just put this little picture in because I pulled it off. Google. I mean, you know, the idea that, you know, the the floods were around him, of course, if he's in the sea, you'd expect that. 
and ultimately the, the waves were passing over him. So it makes you sense that he maybe he's near the surface, right? I mean, if, if in fact he's experienced waves. But Margaret, do waves have effect deep down? Well, but it does. Yeah, but you have to, to get to the deep. You've got to go through the surface. And so the blood surrounded him. The billows and waves passed over. And then who knows if he could swim or not. Right. But, you know, obviously he went down, but the, um, the fish swooped him up. He didn't have his life jacket on properly. No, he had no fins or a snorkel. Well, well, Bob, I've heard actually McGee went down this path a little bit. How long did this prayer take? Was this an hour prayer? <laughs> One second prayer? I mean, you know, and you have to, you kind of, you know, what was this up? Was it took three days for this prayer? So well, it's, what do you think, Roger? I don't know. It, it depends upon whether you're speculators. I don't know. No, if you could swim. I mean, I would say it had to be a pretty fast prayer. That's what I would think, He's too. He's going down. <laughs> I know. <laughs> He's going down. Okay, Bob? Yes. Hey, uh, this is Andrew. Um, yeah. I, w- I was thinking about this, and I think that Jonah knew that he was I think that fish, that whale, would descended a long way because, and if you do that, the pressure becomes great, you know, the, if you go down deep. Sure. And I think I, he knew that that was happening. And he mentions he's down at the, at the base of the mountains and things like that, the moorings of the mountains. Yeah, he talks about that in the next verse. I think he knows that he went down and he's kind of miserable because of the pressure of the, the water, you know, the okay. the water pressure too. But that, don't you think verse three really reflects more surface kind of activity, though? Yeah. Yeah, verse one says it's from this. He's doing this from the stomach of the. Oh, no, right. Yeah, he started out at the surface, right? When he yeah, got, right. But the prayer, was like, the prayer was the pillows went good. over him then, right. and he right. thought he was going to drown, but then he got swallowed up. Yes. Yeah, the verses start to find temple sequence. I mean, it could be, you know, not a perfect chronological yeah. yeah. All right. Is it, poss- is it possible that that what's recorded here is what he cried out over and over again throughout the three days? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, be, be reasonable to do that, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. I was in the hospital, and I had a 5% chance of living, and I prayed... Well, Every day. Yeah, for three months. And the Lord answered you. Just well, having been through a recent event, I know what you're talking about, Bob. Thanks. Okay, so the point I'm giving here is the whole issue of the chronology. These events must have preceded Jonah's presence in the belly of the fish. It must have been on the surface of things for him to be experiencing that. But again, that's just my speculation about the timing of all this. And how did this all happen? Well, it was no mere chance, but God who sent the waves his way. So this kind of reflects how the Lord was intervening on behalf of ultimately what would happen to Jonah. And, you know, I think the following psalm of David to the chief musician could very much, you know, relate to this. And that psalm goes, deliver me out of, out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me, and cut out, and, and out of the deep waters, let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up, or the, let the deep swallow me up, but let not the pit shall its mouth shut its mouth on me. So, anyway, 
that psalm kind of does relate, as many others did, verse 2, to what Jonah was experiencing. All right, verse 4, then, I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Okay, so reflecting now what his mission really was, right? And, of course, the holy temple may have not been where he was sent, but ultimately he's reflecting on that that was present in Jerusalem, which is still in the Jewish history. Was this really God removing Jonah from his sight, or just a consequence of Jonah's disobedience? Yeah, I think that's rather an interesting point, because that's what he was after when he went to Tarsus in the first place, was to get out of God's sight. <laughs> so God said, okay, you run out of my sight. <laughs> now you're really out of my sight. I don't know. Maybe that's what he felt. He, <laughs> so there's a lesson there that you mm-hmm. learned, isn't it? But was he really out of God's sight? No, he wasn't. Okay. But he, but I think that's what he felt. Experience. And that's where I quote this verse, um, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. I'm not sure if I need two paragraphs, that's my problem. <laughs> you need bifocals. Yeah. No, I hate I hate trifocals once, so I'll never do that again. Okay, if, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden Christ in God. So again, positional truth has a lot to say about God never departing from us. There's plenty of other scripture that we can turn to for that. Feinberg says he felt it was he, he was cast out from the special regard from the yes the special regard and care which God exercises over his son. Now he realized how dire a thing it is to be apart from the presence of the Lord. So that's an interpretation of his being separated. Of course the consequences here were substantial. What does Jonah mean by yet I will look again towards your holy temple? I think that's just another way of saying that he's he expects to live. And well, interesting. he expects to put back into his position and, and Jerusalem and all that stuff. It's sort of like if you save me, I will go back and do what you wanted me to do well, in the beginning. How's that related to the holy temple though? Yeah, it just doesn't but uh Maybe it maybe it means that that I'm going to stop looking at myself and start looking, change my focus to what you want. Well, what did, what did the holy temple mean to the Jew? Those were the Is not this where Israel's faith, forgiveness, and strength was provided? Yeah. So that that's where they met God. And just a quote from Second Chronicles. Let's see if I can pull this up and read it more easily. And when they return to you, this is from Second Chronicles uh, chapter six, verse thirty-eight. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, where they have been carried captive, and pray towards their land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, and towards the temple which I have built for your name. I mean. You know, there's multiple verses in Kings and Chronicles that reflect the temple and its important place in the Jewish history and the history of Israel. So I think he's reflecting on that foundation of Israeli, the Israeli nation and its faith. We need to keep in mind that um, in the Jewish mindset, the temple was the presence of the Lord. 
And that's where they found him, right? <laughs> yeah, and so he was, the Lord had heard him in that first phrase, right? Mm-hmm. And answered him. And apparently this is part of what he sensed, that he would go back to the temple. But he ultimately does that he does, right? <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? Isn't this what repentance is? He he uh, looked again towards the holy temple. He did a hundred eighty degree turn, mm-hmm. repented, and mm-hmm. and turned towards God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know the interesting thing about oh, let me read the next verse. I think we answered that one pretty well. Jonah two five says the water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me, and weeds were wrapped around my. Head, I'm asking you to think about this. Do you think that this in some way reflects on how Jonah thought he might die? Sure. Mm-hmm. You thought he was going well, to what, what would be uh, the options for his ultimate demise here in the deep? I only see one option, drowning. <laughs> well, but it's, he could be eaten by the whale, right? I mean, could he be digested by the whale? Mm-hmm. Assuming this fish is a whale, which may be the wrong assumption. Mm-hmm. Sure, I, I think it does reflect that he might drown. And I think many commentators suggest that, that one, that's what he was thinking of. Cosmo, Jonah sensed his help, hopelessness as he continued his downward plunge into the deep. He seemed to be in death's grip rather than God's seaweeds bound his head as the water encased his body. So I, I think that this kind of reflects it. Drowning might be the likely expectation, but we don't know that for sure. Again, the Psalms can be uh, quoted here, and I'm going to read that here. Let's see. Let me get the right one. Here we go. To the chief musician, another psalm to the chief musician, said to the lilies, a psalm of David, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up, up, up to my neck. I sink in the deep mire where there is no standing, and I've come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I mean, that really relates to the verse 5 that we just covered here in the in the text. All right. Okay, I'm combining 6 and 7. Jonah said, I went down to the moorings of the mountains, and Andrew mentioned that. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever, yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul... Painted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Again, the holy temple is being mentioned again. And, you know, it's interesting. And the ultimate of having no strength and being hopeless, to whom does Jonah turn? I mean, where do we all turn, right? And I think, you know, the differences for us is the, uh, you know, there's a tremendous difference for us today because what I quoted earlier, for me to live as Christ and die as gain. Either way you win. So it's a whole different perspective. The whole issue of what happens after death to the Jewish believer, I think, was a little less clear than clearly the position and condition that we experience today. Thoughts about that? I agree. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's, let's compare this verse with what Paul had written in the Church of Philippi to what John might have been thinking. So, 
So I'm going to turn to Isaiah here. And then Isaiah 38 says, Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. What, what do we make of that? In terms of what the view of the Israelite was in terms of Sheol. They didn't have much concept of what actually would happen in Sheol. We know now that Sheol was divided up into two sections, you know, paradise and, you know, the area of punishment. But uh, they only saw it as one place where everybody was just sleeping or, you know, not resting, but... uh, so do you think the verses in Isaiah here reflected all what John is experiencing, and if so, how? <laughs> so, you know, the prophet Isaiah said that you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. So Isaiah must have been in a circumstance not identical to John, but circumstantially fairly similar. Yeah, Bob, it's um, it's amazing how parallel these from Isaiah, and then it matches what David says, and it matches what Jonah says. So it's it's kind of amazing the similarity, even though they're different guys divided by times. So they all went through the same experience. That's that's pretty interesting. So Isaiah's head says for Sheol and cannot thank you. And death cannot praise, and death cannot praise you. So the idea of this separation was something that Jonah clearly was experiencing, was about as Isaiah was. So in a sense, again, the separation that we have today is a very different one. We're separated from our earthly existence, but not the relationship we have with God. So the, the trials and tribulations in the Old Testament all made people realize that their sin was really separating them, but yet not in the profound and convincing way that we have today. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your your truth. I mean, so when you're seeing yourself in the pit as an Israelite, ultimately that was clearly in the absence of God's presence to the individual who was experiencing it. All right. The last part of this verse, when, verse is, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your, into your holy temple. Interesting. The temple shows up again here. So Alan has a quote here. I pulled this out of the constable. As in Jonah 1-6, prayer is presented as the key to the salvation of the one who would otherwise have perished. So ultimately the trial brought about prayer, which prayer was effective and ultimately taking away this separation that the Israelite was perceiving. Thoughts? All right. All right, the last two verses. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Why do you think Jonah mentions worthless trials here? What idol do you think he's referring to? Is he saying that those who don't look to the Lord have no hope? I mean, they're... They have nothing. Is he is he looking at himself in that regard? They think. 
Isn't he saying that those who, because he's going to sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, and he's going to sacrifice to um, to him, that those who regard worthless idols, so those who worship these worthless idols, they forsake their own mercy. I mean, but, they, but, the, but the mercy is there; they're themselves forsaking. Right, so they're what, forsaking the mercy that yeah. could come what, if they worship the Lord. What could have been an idol that Jonah would relate to here in these circumstances that he found himself in? Maybe all the other gods of the sailors, for one thing. What? what Maybe all the yeah, other gods that the sailors had. You know, they okay, were all praying to their other gods. And yeah, we covered that a little bit. But apparently they were God-fearing because they turned to God, but yet ultimately, who, who was their God? Well, why did he go to, uh, ultimately, to Nineveh? He was forsaking God. Yeah, I mean, in a sense. So he's saying, I think he's identifying with the fact that his idol was something other than God's will for his life. I mean, that could be anything. I mean, just think about today how many things could be distracting us from our heavenly relationship. So, so now he's opened up to the idea that whatever idol that was, I think it was comfort and joy and peace and not having to really do something he really didn't feel like he was capable of doing or willing to do. Uh, he's now going to sacrifice, and the idols may have been anything that he would have put in place of his relationship with the guy. Um, what mercy do they have anyway? Do idols have any mercy? <laughs> what What's mercy? Not getting what you deserve. Man, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, and what's grace? Mercy's ultimately just punishment for for falling away in sin. Um, but grace, of course, is an extending circumstances based entirely on the cross, far different than mercy. So uh, reading again from the Psalms, again, so often to the Psalms of Prodigy. Psalm 31, 6, I have hated those who regard useless idols. How's that for a direct quotation? But I trust, I trust in the Lord. Uh, yeah, that's the end of that song. Just, I hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. All right. In closing, then, let's see. But I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. This reminds us of how we believers today should pray, right? And, something we covered in our study in Philippians uh, a few months ago. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and uh, supplication with thanksgiving. <laughs> okay, so he's, with a voice of thanksgiving, he's now responding. But you know, being anxious for nothing has conditions connected to it. We buy everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let our request be known unto God. So... You know, t- turning to the Lord in terms of our own prayer life and relationship to being thankful uh, is critically, I think, important in terms of how we uh, view our prayer and whether it's ultimately biblically correct. I will pay what I had vowed. What was Jonah's vow? To worship the Lord at the temple. I'm sorry? To worship the Lord at the temple. Okay, well, what maybe more... More here. And 
I mean, he's not going to be going to the temple as far as we know, right? So, mm-hmm. but well, I think circumstantially it, it was his way of saying he would be he would be willing to fulfill the mission that God had given him. I think that mm-hmm. that's the valley. He's probably the way to. Mm-hmm. Other other thoughts about that. Thank you, right, Bob? Yeah, that makes the most sense, I think. Roy, thank you. Um, and, you know, again, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for this wickedness uh, has come up before me. So, you know, that's what God had asked him to do. And I think he expected, uh, well, he knew that ultimately Jonah was not going to hang in there with this opportunity or mission, but ultimately... I think that's likely uh, his vow that he's returning to at this point of this section of scripture. Salvation is the Lord. I mean, what more can be said here than that? True, true of the Old Testament, true of the New Testament, true throughout scripture. What, so, so if, if, if salvation's of the Lord, it's what's it based on? Grace. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, for us, it's grace. But what do you make of the Old Testament? You know, salvations of the Lord. It was grace then too. I, I, well, it, it was, but it, it's faith, is it not? I mean, so remember, I think um, faith is exemplified through for the entire Word of God. We're given multiple examples of Old Testament men of faith, women of faith. So what, how do we define faith? I think faith is simply, as Schofield says, believing what God has revealed. And so if we look throughout the Old Testament, the growing examples of faith that we see highlighted in Hebrews 11 ultimately are people who believe what God has revealed for the time that God has revealed those truths. And so, so salvations of the Lord, not, not anything more could be said in Jonah. He is responding by faith, is he not? Yep. Yeah, Wayne. I guess you could say that the Lord didn't compel him to go. He just made him willing. (laughs) (laughs) Say that again. (laughs) The Lord didn't compel him to go. He just made him willing to go. And and he was not, right? He became willing. Changed his mind. (laughs) He became willing. Well, doesn't God do the same thing today? Sure. Exactly. Sure. We many times are unwilling. Yeah. Yeah. But so, God controls the circumstances to, to make us well. Right. Does he control the circumstances or he uses the circumstances? Mm-hmm. I think he does control the circumstances. Oh, that He made the things existence. necessary for Jonah to go to Nineveh. Well, he certainly knows the circumstances that are on our way, Well, he's using them to bring us to the nature. He's using to he's using the circumstances to conform our wills to God's will. Right. Yeah, I mean, his purpose for us as believers is is maybe less true for the Old Testament, but it's conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, right, and to transform our lives into that life with them. Mm-hmm. So. I think, you know, that, I'm thinking he uses the circumstances to conform us and to transform us mm-hmm. in that process. So. Right. Okay, let's end with Constable. Jonah's desperate condition had brought him to his senses. He would return to the source of loyal love and express his worship of Yahweh 
with a sacrifice. His sacrifice would have to be thanksgiving. Though since he de- dis- despaired of being able to offer an animal or vegetable offering, he can't return to that. He has no ability to do that. But that's kind of, I think, his reference to the Holy Temple in terms of where those sacrifices actually took place on behalf of the entire believing nation of Israel. So, all right. So, Jonah's prayer, they, they teach us of some things. We certainly have trials and tribulations that come our way, and the response we have in prayer is appropriate and expected. Uh, but we certainly live in this New Testament truth, which is a lot different than what Jonah was experiencing. All right, let's close in prayer. Can we do close this in prayer, please? Father, we thank you for the way you manipulate our lives to conform us to your will. We thank you for this time of study, and we hope that uh, we can remember these things as we live our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.